So it's one overarching one, and it's just be willing to look in the mirror. And what you get when you do that is you learn to ask yourself why, because you want to know what kind of impact you're having. Very few of us want to have zero impact. Very few of us say, I want to be a wallflower. So Mm -hmm. if you're willing to develop, we've talked about it, it won't be a surprise, that curiosity appetite when you look at things and half of us are wired to ask why and half of us are wired to ask how. But if we all ask why, we'll get to the bottom of it a lot faster. So that's that first piece is ask why. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we had the pleasure of speaking with Andrea. She shared her remarkable journey from a successful 25-year career in higher education to entrepreneurship, discovered the pivotal moments that pushed her towards entrepreneurship and gained insights into making that critical transition. Andrea's story is a testament to finding your tipping point and pursuing your true calling. Tune in for inspiration and valuable advice. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Junaid. I am really excited to be here. I am excited to have you here as well. What I love about what we're doing, had a cool conversation at the Discovery Call and in the green room and how it's so amazing to be an entrepreneur because we have the flexibility to go drop off our kids, to do some other errands and make sure business is still running because Mm -hmm. we have the power. Tell me a little bit about how you got into this phase of entrepreneurship that you're in currently and what was the one thing that enabled you to say you know what this is where i'm heading now (laughs) and that one thing that pushed me over the edge yeah Uh, yeah the tipping point yeah because i think we all have it and it may be a little different for each person Mm -hmm. but i call it i actually heard someone the other day describe the difference between your origin story and your conversion story (laughs) your origin story is your background and maybe like the things that really affected you but your conversion story is when that was the tipping point yeah and for me i had over a 20 almost a 25 year career in higher education it was not something i ever thought i would do Mm -hmm. but i ended up working for some amazing schools both uh, like a a theological seminary and then two really good i worked for johns hopkins I worked for the University of Virginia, all schools of medicine. And Junaid, I was one of those people that was trying to be an entrepreneur long ago. I was an Amway distributor. I was a Mary Kay lady. I I did those kinds of things thinking, because I really, and if we get into talking about core values, my top one is freedom. And I just, I'm not a great employee, mostly Mm -hmm. because I just don't want you to tell me what to do, which is why having that freedom of schedule is so important. But I hit about 11, 10 years into my career at University of Virginia. I was like, okay, that's enough. I need to start looking for something else. (laughs) And then when I moved to the, that was at Johns Hopkins, excuse me. And then when I moved to the University of Virginia, about nine and a half, 10 years in, I was like, I really can't do this. I was managing a lot of people and I found that I really wanted to help people grow. Mm -hmm. 
And when you manage people, the definition of manage is to keep something at the status quo or to keep it from getting out of control. Sure. I don't want to do that with people. Mm. I want people to blossom and flourish and to be everything they could possibly be. Yeah. Now, some people in a large organization like that are not interested, but some people it's like, I just even the idea that I had to make people comply Mm -hmm. with rules and regulations and hold them back. And I want a promotion. I'm like, well, you're never going to get one in this department. I hate to tell you that. (laughs) And I know. And they would interview with me. And I would say literally in the interview, before I ever hired anyone, I would say, if you come work here, you need to understand. I view these positions as launch pads, not landing pads. Mm -hmm. And I literally had one woman, woman who I did not give the job to, but she started using me as a reference because she felt like I saw her yeah. and she ended up getting a much better job. But when I realized I couldn't do that anymore, I started looking for ways that I could, what could be fulfilling to me. And I yeah. found out that being a coach would, and then really studying leadership and realizing I had been trying to do that all of my life and all this personal growth stuff. Yeah. And I really gravitated to it. But the thing that really got me was when I was doing the operations manager job for a pretty big division in the university for the school of medicine. And I was also the head of research administration and which is all rules and regulations and getting Mm -hmm. NIH grants and that kind of stuff. And I advocated, I said, I need operations manager in my title. So finally, after six months, I got it and it was without a raise. And I Mm -hmm. said, it's a higher pay band. I'm yeah. doing, I've been doing the work and you gave yeah. me the title. I know, but it wouldn't be equitable for everybody else who's been doing the work for the last two years with the title. Then you would be making as much as them. And I'm like, the only difference is I didn't have the title. Yeah. And that I, I literally looked at my boss. I don't know how I didn't get fired, Janae, because I looked at <laughs> I had several moments like this, but I looked <laughs> him straight in the eye and I said, you realize this is not my life. Like you realize this is, I am not going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's, this is a breaking point for me. And within a year and a half, I was gone. And even then he was surprised. (laughs) He was surprised. I know. I'm telling you black and white. And that was the main one. I was driving home. If you've been an employee who changed into an entrepreneur, you may have had a situation like this where you're driving home from your job and you're screaming in the car and banging the steering wheel. And the words that were coming out were never, ever is anybody ever going to tell me what I can do and cannot do and how much money I can make and how much money I can't and what I am worth. Yeah. And that was it. And so I told my husband, I said, this is, you need to understand this is the path I'm on. So if you want to stay up to this train, that's up to you, but that's what's happening. And yeah. he was, he's been nothing but supportive because like when we love people, we can see what fires them up. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That's the conversion story. Oh my God. I love the conversion story. And sometimes I question, right? People who are supporting us, like our spouses and whatnot, they see what we're doing. And let's say we've been doing this for five years, right? We converted from full-time employee to now our own boss, but they don't see the monetary value. Like when are you going to start making the money? When are you going to start supporting? What do you say to that? It takes time. Absolutely. Am I missing something? 
there are people out there who are much better at coaching you through the transition of making sure that depending, it's all how risk averse you are, right? My husband does have a job. He's a pastor, so he's, Mm -hmm. we're not rich, (laughs) but if you are risk averse, there are ways you can do this that are much more practical and much Mm -hmm. more efficient, saving up to this much, whatever your monthly needs are, save that much money for six months. There are fantastic coaches out there that will give you step-by-step. I tried to follow some of those, but that's just not who I am. (laughs) And I'm not going to lie. I didn't Mm -hmm. do it the smartest way because even though it was a year and a half from that moment, Mm -hmm. the thing that truly put me over the edge was I was on vacation. Mm -hmm. I was in Hawaii. I was getting ready to go see the Arizona War Memorial. And I got out and my boss had surgery before my vacation. And so I was checking email while I was on vacation. Please don't do that. And if I hadn't, I wouldn't have had this meltdown, but it was basically, you don't get to work from home anymore. You have to come Mm -hmm. back in. And this was after COVID and there had been like this, I had given up my office. There was this permanent, it was just like the last straw. It was like this permanent understanding. And then that was completely revoked in an email while I was thousands and thousands of miles away. And I sat down on the couch. We were staying with some friends and I looked at my husband and I said, I I know we haven't saved as much as I want to save. I know we had reduced debt and we had made our expenses lower and that kind of thing. But I said, I just can't do this anymore. I will implode. And he just, he saw it and he's been very patient and I'm I'm not going to lie. The first year there was like, it was one of those amazing schedule C moments where you put your schedule C information in the tax document and it like lowers how much taxes you owe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the real story. And people yeah. need to know that yeah. going in. But if you have cash on hand, then you're doing better. But if you're not super risk averse or you have a spouse that can help support the situation, he he knew that I, in order to flourish, needed to be out of that environment. Yeah. Here's the really interesting thing. Two years later, just this last Friday, I went back and did a half-day workshop, keynote speaker my IP, my core values work with the mm-hmm. very people that I used to work with. That's so this cool. is the stuff I was trying to do. And, and it's not that I didn't try to do what I want to do inside sure. yeah. the actual system, because that's the smartest way, right? Get them, figure out what you want to do and get somebody to pay you for it. And mm-hmm. if you can do that at your employer, that's the first step, right? Because yeah. then you get all the experience and they're paying you, have that stability of your paycheck. But they paid me more per hour than I ever made when I was there. And at the end, I had three people, two of which were heads of big departments come up and say, could you come do a leadership retreat? Could you come do this thing in our group? And I'm like, so Mm -hmm. it does come full circle if you keep planting the seeds. And Junaid, when you know who you are and when you can look in the mirror and you can actually say, this is who I need to be and have the courage to just go for it people will see it and people will react to it. they That's what we call charisma, right? When we're yeah. real and we care about who we are and we care about other people, they know and they flock to it like a moth to a flame. Yeah. So that's the full story of, story of my conversion. My God, I love that so much. And I see the motivations that you had, the inspirations, right? And the inspiration could have been, hey, I want the freedom and, and you've experienced a little bit of it through Mary Kay and Amboy. I know those people. I've I've met, I've sat through the trainings, I've tried 
I learned so much from them. I did. I learned a lot about mindset issues. I learned a lot about sales. I learned a lot about what it means to run a business. Mm -hmm. I learned for sure that I am not a product-based entrepreneur. So there's things you learn through all those experiences. Don't get me wrong. It just wasn't what I needed. It stacks on top of each other. You you take the nugget. I'm going to use this nugget. And then when you create your own necklace, you got nuggets from all the different experiences that you've had over the years. I like that analogy. I just came up with it. Beautiful. Those are the best. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So as we continue to dive deeper into your journey and the conversion story, I I totally love that. I'm going to use that. Hey, what's your origin story? And it was your conversion. Yeah, I got to figure out where I found that. It was probably somebody who, some coach who like specializes in storytelling, but I really latched onto that. Well, what I've learned is that once you've said it three times, three, so the first time you've, you've mentioned it, you got to mention the name. Okay, this is where I get it from. The second time, <laughs> maybe. The third time, you don't have to. Okay. Because you've now, you've personalized it enough mm. that you I almost own it. Cool. You know, there's, there's so many conversations. There's so many quotes you'll see that have that parallel line. Mm. Oh, this guy said that, but this guy said it differently. Yeah. And then it's how we uh, comprehend and intellectually change it based on our own experiences and, and the nuggets that we bring from it. Denver nuggets. <laughs> I wonder why they call them. The, I guess it's because of the gold rush, right? Yes, sir. Colorado had the gold rush. Okay. <laughs> A little bit of history dropped in there. Okay. Cool. So as we're moving, so that was your defining moment. I'm done with it. I'm over. And two years later, you go back and now you're able to earn more than you made it when you were there. And not just that, you have three additional clients that are like, hey, come back and teach. And then they're going to pay you the same amount because guess what? It's the same department. My God, that's the perfect story of passion to profit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not super profitable yet. You know, I mean, it's just the right, it's a long road. It's, it's a start. But part of it is being willing to just be you, right? And just sticking with it. It's a hard road. I'm three years plus into podcasting and my podcast is not in the top 100. My podcast mm-hmm. is good and it's great for people who need it, Yeah, but it is not the moneymaker for me. And being willing to say, I have something to offer you. I have something that can help you and I'm willing to do it in a way that works for you. And those are the things that really matter. I have another analogy coming. Uh, (laughs) One of the examples that I've talked about is when you're on the freeway, you can only know what's happening to the cars or or around us. Right. Mm. But for example, my siblings are on a different freeway. Whereas I'm on this freeway of entrepreneurship, they're, they're on a different freeway. So you, they can't really resonate to what we're going through. Mm. You got to find other people. And if you think about freeways and you're driving on the freeway in your car, guess who you're going to follow? You're going to follow the car in front of you. Right. The car in front of me hasn't, he has just one car length more experience than me, mm. but they know where the road is going. So mm. as a coach of creating content for the past three years, you're leading those cars mm. on the right path. Oh, hey, so. This, is, <laughs> this is where we're going. This is where we're going to end up when you follow me on this journey. Yeah. And when Gary Vaynerchuk says, you got to document your journey, 
because then you're able to tell others, hey, this is what's working for me. This is what's not working for me. And they're able to then, you're essentially building your own tribe. And if people mm -hmm. are on that same journey, but they just hadn't seen that sign, but they now see you because you've been creating content, you're building that content library of your own experience. Mm. And the other piece that goes with that is there's no way you don't grow through it. Oh, yes. And we teach what we know. And sometimes we go out and learn. I met my husband in grad school and seminary. And mm -hmm. uh, I have a friend who says, at heart, Andrea, you're a theologian. I know you're going to finish that master's. So I might, but we teach what we know. Sometimes we learn it from a book. Sometimes we learn it through our experience. Mm -hmm. And I have always been more experiential, even in learning to play a game, I need to know, I need to watch, I need to listen and I need to get in there, the, the different types of learning models, but I'm yeah. one of those people. So as I have walked my path, I started externally with behavior and how we live and a particular lifestyle, which I call mm -hmm. intentional optimism. And all the meantime, I'm a Maxwell certified speaker, trainer, and coach. So I'm looking at DISC and behavioral analysis and how we communicate and how we collaborate and what it make, what makes a good team. But then I needed to go way inside and look at my core values to know where I am and how that works so that I can then yeah. live out these other things. And as I've grown, my message has gone from outside to inside. inside. And so, yeah. And so now, now I know where to start with my clients and it makes a difference. But me growing through that and figuring out, starting out, if you want to say on the freeway or maybe Right after college, I lived in Los Angeles and I drove the 101 around. And if you've never driven oh the God. 101, it's just at night, please know, just having eight other sets or seven other sets of headlights in my rear view mirror. I yes. just, I found myself thinking, I have to look at the, I have to look at the lines on the road <laughs> because you just don't know where you are. But then when it, when things thin out, you get in like the HOV lane. I'm just taking yeah. your metaphor and going with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get on the fast track because you figure out this is where I need to be. And so it's, it is a journey and it is, I hope that people can see my son is into the led lights, putting them on your yeah. car and stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah. can we put these on the car? I'm like, no, <laughs> but people would really see you, right? There's yes. no way they would miss you for sure. Dude. I love the fact that you brought the fast track in. Okay. And we're good. We're doing California freeways because they have the, <laughs> They have, have the them. most fast tracks, right? And here's the analogy of a coach versus you doing it on your own. Mm. When you're doing it on your own, you're going to be hanging out there in the regular traffic. Okay, so how, when is it going to move? The needle's not moving. Oh, there's traffic. There's, there's things ahead. But when you take the fast track, it's like hiring a coach mm. to get you there faster. Mm -hmm. And that's why it costs money to level up your game and work with somebody who knows the road, who knows the path, who knows, hey, coming right up, there's going to be an exit. Mm -hmm. You might want to take it because you're, you're going to register your LLC or you're going to mm -hmm. buy your domain name, whatever mm -hmm. it is, but those are different exits that you might have to take on the journey or maybe start from there. And then where do you go next? I think that's where a coach comes in. And I think you're doing an amazing job at that because you're Maxwell certified, you've gone back and, and shared, you've created a system mm. that enables the growth to happen.
Thank you. I hope so. And I like that analogy from the very beginning. We talk about how the difference between a co- between doing things with a coach and without is literally I can just help you get there faster. Yeah. And Janaid, as a woman who is of a certain age, <laughs> I love to tell people I'm 57 mm. and I would love to have had this information at 30 yeah. or 37. And so it is my passion. No, yes, I work with men. Yes, I work with teams of all yeah. types because I want the teams to work. Mm-hmm. But my passion is helping younger women find this information long before I did. Yeah. And just that start of that journey started for me 30 years ago, like I said, looking. And then we lost my mother in 2017 to breast cancer. And that was another thing. Thank you. That was, I was 50 and it really struck a chord that kind of started my own personal growth. And then you got the rest of my story as Paul Harvey would say, but being able to hand this information to younger women who I tend to resonate with millennials and just, they're just like the next generation behind me and being able to say, because the the younger ones, they're I don't know they're they're figuring it out faster. They're they're really paying attention. I think it's because they're online all the time. Yes, the millennials are still following us, and and they're the ones who are looking at my taillights in the dark and yes. saying, "Where do I go?" So it is my passion to work with younger women so that they get it not just move faster, mm. but they get it earlier, so that when they move faster, they have so much farther to go. So that's my passion. I love that so much because as time changes to time and generations change like we've seen so much advancement in the past 50 years mm. i'm almost 50 in three years but what's crazy we've seen so much advance we've seen all sorts of transformations of technology of science like literally everything sure and so the generations that are now being born they already have access to the internet they didn't have to buy a dial-up modem, they didn't have to do any of those things that we had to struggle with. So they have, and because they have access to information much more readily, they are much more ready to take the information that we, with our wisdom that we've gained and and compiled. Mm. So would I be, if I had seen the same information when I was younger, would it enable me to grasp it faster? I don't think so. I think, I, yeah. I, maybe I have seen others, but I also, yeah, I don't know. It's so possible. There are I others. I had a friend that I grew up with. He was only three years behind me in school. My parents mm-hmm. were missionaries, so I grew up overseas. Yeah. And he was only three years behind me in school, but he was one of those people who always bucked the system. And we never could figure out what David did. <laughs> Turns out, David, I don't even know if he read Kiyosaki, the rich dad, poor dad. He might mm-hmm. have, but he basically did that model. And mm-hmm. he started investing in real estate and turning things around and flipping houses back before house flipping was a thing in sure. on HGTV. And now he's like a globetrotter. And uh-huh. he figured it out and made his millions. And his family has it's just... I look back and I think, why, why didn't I see that? Right. He was only three years younger than me, but it was, his brain was made different and his Mm -hmm. path was different. And we know what we know when we know it. That's the only time I literally just did a podcast uh, on awareness. What is it? Cause we hear that. What does it mean to be aware? 
But if we're not aware of something, we can't do anything about it. We can't it. do anything if you're not And aware. just seeing something outside ourselves doesn't mean we're aware of our reaction to it. And I think that's the work that I do. So a lot of coaches, you explained like business coaches, this is when you do your LLC. This is when you need to hire an accountant. This is mm. when you need to do X, Y, and Z in your business. Yeah. Mine is working with that business owner or somebody who wants to just have a career in, in leadership in some form and being able to help them see what is keeping me from taking those exits that the business yeah. coach is telling me to take? Where is the fear coming from? Where's all the self-talk coming from? How can I be a leader that then other people will follow my taillights, right? So we see what we see when we see it. And I even told my colleague who, the one who brought me back to my former university is somebody that I hired as a temp in 2013. Mm. And she had no idea about research administration. I hired her just to get our files in in, yeah. in order. And as she was looking them, she looking at them, she had all this curiosity. What does this mean? What is this type of grant? What does this type of budget mean? And I realized she had a real aptitude and a real a, a, just a curiosity for how things worked. Now she runs a ten million dollar grant. She's the finance director, and she's the one who put together a mentor program that I came and did the kickoff thing for. So amazing. That was 10 years in the making, but we don't. And she said, why didn't we think to bring you into like last year? And I said, I wasn't ready last year. Mm -hmm. You weren't ready for me last year. The timing is perfect. It has to be the time. Just being able to accept that and then still pass on and not be resentful of those who come behind us who have an easier path because we make it easier. That's my job, right? On shoulders of giants. Yes. On shoulders of giants. Even if we're only five one. (laughs) (laughs) Short giants. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so cool. I think all of this combined, if you look at the whole story of where we come from and and what enables, awareness is absolutely one of the most important things. And, And Gary, we always talked about awareness. Be aware of your surroundings. And having mentors around. I think that is very important. And you were an amazing mentor for this lady when she joined, right? So having those mentors and somebody who gives us the the freedom, right? Back to that word, freedom to be curious, freedom to grow, freedom to build out what's in our what's in our innate nature. Mm. And if you don't have the right people around you, mm-hmm. you're not able to grow or able to see. Mm-hmm. So have import, very important to have that mastermind or have the group of people that are on the same journey or maybe a little further ahead from us because they're going to help us lead the way. They're mm-hmm. going to help us build out our own entrepreneurship circle. Yeah. And two people that I would quote on that environment, John Maxwell calls it the law of environment. It really matters. And Mm -hmm. he talks about how he moved before he became an entrepreneur. He moved from job to job. And almost every time he had enough savings or gravitas or achievements to actually take a step down Mm -hmm. in pay and in, um, I don't know, like a demotion or something to different types of jobs in order because he could see the pathway was going to be better. But because he said the environment was so important and the environment matters, a greenhouse grows specific types of plants. Others need to be outside our environment. We need to know ourselves. But the other one who talks about that is James Clear in his habits. 
when he talks about how the best way to form a habit or to kick a habit is to be around other people who are forming the same habit or kicking the same habit. It is such a profound idea. And my mom always said it, right? I'm sure you've heard it. Birds of a feather flock together. (laughs) But so it's as old as time, right? It's Mm -hmm. a tale as old as time. And we don't think about it until I'm really struggling with the fact that I, nobody's, nobody else is on this entrepreneur journey and we have to go find it, but environment matters and it's physical environment, it's mental environment, spiritual environment. And then just the idea, like that you said, those masterminds. So just keeping those things in mind, they all matter. You're so right on the money on that one. And if you even think about it, the story of Tarzan and Jungle Book. Yes. Both of those. Mm -hmm. They hung out around animals and they acted like animals and they're able to scale trees and whatnot because they're wrong animals. And I think there's a certain thing. So we've we've gardened this year and we had a lot of green tomatoes. And turns Mm -hmm. out if you want to turn green tomatoes into red tomatoes, you just need to place them in a bag with one red tomato and the rest of them to be green. Mm -hmm. And they're all turned red. Again, we're creating that environment for everyone to level up to that red tomato. To flourish, right? That's what we need to be about is to help others to flourish. I'm not interested in holding people back. I love it. So we've gone through your origin story, your conversion story. We've gone deep into what it takes to be an entrepreneur, what it takes to succeed, what it takes to follow and lead. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, you're going to share some golden nuggets, three invaluable hacks so our superpreneurs can apply in their entrepreneurship. Okay. Are you ready to amplify your business? SPI Pro is your gateway to elevate your entrepreneurial journey, offering cutting edge education, immersive training, and interactive collaborations. Whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned pro, SPI Pro is the community for you, providing you access to professional networking and advice to accelerate your growth. To join, head on over to hacksandhobbies.com forward slash SPI Pro. Join SPI Pro and transform your unique journey into a success story. Again, head on over to hacksandhobbies.com forward slash SPI Pro. Hey guys, welcome back. We've been talking with Andrea Johnson, and this has been such a fulfilling conversation. We we're going all we're going in all sorts of freeways and traveling all around <laughs> California and, and New Jersey and, and Washington, you name it. Yeah, we'll We've have got to hit that I-95 corridor. Yes. <clears throat> we got all types of analogies because it's important to make the conversation you're having understandable for literally anybody. And the more real world examples they can see, the better and and you never know which specific idea will click or unlock somebody's brain. So it's it's really important. So thank you so much. Sure. Could you share three invaluable hacks that our superpreneurs can immediately implement? So it's one overarching one, and it's just be willing to look in the mirror. And what you get when you do that is Mm -hmm. you learn to ask yourself why, 
because you want to know what kind of impact you're having. Very few of us want to have zero impact. Very few of us say, I want to be a wallflower. So Mm -hmm. if you're willing to develop, we've talked about it, it won't be a surprise, that curiosity appetite when you look at things and half of us are wired to ask why and half of us are wired to ask how. But if Mm -hmm. we all ask why, we'll get to the bottom of it a lot faster. So that's that first piece is ask why. Number two, reflect. I do this on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis Mm -hmm. because evaluated experience, not just experience, is the best teacher. This teaches us, and I think you and I have talked about this maybe offline, is critical thinking. We need to be able to say, why did I do that? How do I feel? What were my wins today? What were my challenges? And then if you do that on a weekly and monthly basis, that sets you up to say, maybe I need to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Second is reflecting. And the third is knowing your core values. When you know who you are and what makes you tick and where your boundaries really are, your relationships become more easy and clear. Your decisions are much easier to make. And again, your boundaries are just really clear. So those are my three things. Ask why, reflect, and know your core values. Oh my God. Those are absolutely amazing because if you don't know where you're going to find out really quick when you start applying those values into your life. Thank you. It's also the fastest way to find, to develop what we call self-awareness mm. because all of a sudden, as you look back, I can look all the way back into my toddler years and my mom always said, you were this strong-willed child. Yeah. My top value is freedom. And I don't mean freedom from a job or patriotism. Don't tell me how to think. <laughs> so for a parent of a child like that's very yeah challenging, but I was the kid who said, don't tell me what to do. Mm. So now it serves me well. (laughs) That reminds me of my daughter Mm. because she's a very strong role. And you've mentioned DISC and you've mentioned the other methods of of figuring who, what a person's personality is, is. And something that I've subscribed to recently is called human design. Yep. And based on human design, she's a projector. Ah. With seven defined centers. <laughs> when you have she knows seven, her mind, sir. She knows her mind very well. And she does. I need to learn. I'm a projector myself, but I need to learn okay. how to communicate with her and invite her into some things mm. that are in line with, because anytime you tell her to do something and she feels out of alignment, her body tells her, nope, that's not <laughs> happening. Never. And then she'd be like so mad at me. And then I would like put her to bed and she'll give me a hug. Mm. Like, but you made me so sad. I'm so sorry. I'll never ever <laughs> like that. It shows up when we're young. And yes. for me, I love human design. I'm a pure generator and yes. I am like straight down the center, but everything yeah. else is open. Yeah. And so I am very affected by the emotions in the room mm-hmm. and by uh, the power of struggle in the room and all of that. And yeah. so that I think defines a little bit of the challenges that I've had on my entrepreneurial journey, yeah. especially as someone who doesn't want to be defined as a thought leader, but sure. really is, and doesn't yeah. want to be take on that mantle of being a wise person, but, and mm-hmm. being able, I have that, the, what the freak to geek thing where mm-hmm. you, I don't even remember some of the things that I've said that people are like, (laughs) wow, because it just happens. I process it really quickly and it comes out. I'm very defined in in the vocal areas. I'm glad to know that when we, when we learn ourselves and we learn those around us, we build bridges. So that's that part of that curiosity, wanting to know why. And when you know early, 
especially with your children, you can develop them in ways that they won't have to get a psychiatrist to help them come out of later. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Thank you so much. All right. Let's jump into the rapid fire questions. Okay. I'd love to ask my guest. Number one, what is the one hobby that you wish you got into? I love nature and I wish I had gone more into outdoor adventure, like kayaking. And I grew up doing a little bit of hiking, but I wish I had done a whole lot more. I grew up doing a little bit of skiing. This is all in Korea, but I think outdoor adventure would be my thing. I still haven't really kayaked. I would love to do that. Nice. I like those activities as well. I love going outside, riding my bike, hanging out with the kids and hiking is a lot of fun for sure. Mm. I'm sure. All right. Next question. What did you want to be when you were a child? Oh, a professional singer, for sure. And I am of the age that Karen Carpenter was that I could mimic her. I still can. Or Linda Ronstadt. So I was going to be a professional singer. For yes. Sure. <laughs> yes. I love it. I used to be, I used to sing at a band and I still okay. sing every once in a while. I'm able to hit the perfect pitch. I can't go that oh. high, but I love to sing. It's a freedom of expression. And yes. I went to college for that. I have a music business administration. Wow. I did some studio work, but it just, it wasn't my path. And yeah. so it was a little hard there still. I went, I look at the charts sometimes and see people who like head of record companies that I went yeah. to college with. I'm like, nice. oh, I could have been doing that. I would not have been happy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's no, a hard no. life. Yes. All right. Next up, what is your favorite movie or TV show? I actually had to discuss this one with my husband because growing up, I love shows that have really intelligent humor, like MASH or Frasier. Mm. I am not one of those people that can watch it twice. So okay. what I really love now is the really creative-based reality shows, Top Chef, Project Runway, Survivor. It's yeah. got different people, different challenges, different places that they do mm. things. And so I just, I love, I actually learn when I'm there. So my brain never shuts off. We just said yes. I was a generator yeah. and I respond. And so I respond to the TV when I'm learning yeah. how to cook something new or wow, how did they actually do that physical feat nice. in Survivor? So yeah, I love those. I like it. Next up, what movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? I think when I was younger, I probably would have said Sound of Music so that I could play Maria because I was a singer. Yeah. I don't, I think now maybe it might be one of the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman movies. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. She's, I like she's such an amazing character. Yeah. I think that would be fun. That's, that's definitely an amazing character. Number five, who is your favorite superhero? I, I just mentioned Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, and I didn't really grow up liking superheroes. I was more mm -hmm. of a Nancy Drew fan, yeah. but there's somebody in the Marvel universe that I love, and her name is Sonya Fallsworth. Are you familiar with her? No. Tell so me she's more. an MI6 character, okay. and she's an MI6 agent, and she's the one who doesn't have the superpowers, but she can do it all. So she's yeah. Nick Fury's friend, and it's all about the, like, she rose to power in the, what is it, the Skrulls or something? Oh, the Skrulls, okay. So she's amazing. Look her up. She can do anything. And she always seems to know the answer and the next step. Wow. Really powerful. Our last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? Oh, here's another one for you. It's called Hugger Mugger. <laughs> okay. It is a very interesting, interactive game. It's a little bit like Trivial Pursuit, Trivial mm -hmm. Pursuit meets, I don't know, like Sudoku. Sure. It's weird. And it you move around the, the board with, you have to access the creative and the logical side of your brain. But on the front of the box, it's this frog on a bike. And it just, 
makes me happy. I will never get rid of it. We play it with family and friends and it's just unique. So it's not a game that other people know. Got to be unique. Got to be me. So I think it would be. I love Mm -hmm. it. Andrea, thank you so much for your time, your energy, your wisdom here on the podcast. Where can my superpreneur superpreneurs find you? I can be found anywhere at the intentional optimist. It does have the V in front of it. So my website is theintentionaloptimist.com, but I also made a special landing page for your people because it is so important for us to understand our core values. I have a free download for them. So if they go to theintentionaloptimist.com forward slash hacks and hobbies, all single lowercase words, they will go straight to a page where they can just put in their email address and download a one page exercise on how to do that for themselves. And Sinead, some people can just take that and run with it, but it also gives them options for if they need other help. But it's so important that I just want to make sure that's available to everybody. So they go straight there. Hacks and Hobbies will get them to that page. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrea, for the gift. And uh, I'll be sure to include all of the links in this show notes so folks can get to it even faster. Thank you so much again for coming. Until the next episode. Congratulations, you made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hatsandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You could find links mentioned in this episode on the hacksandhobbies.com website. 